It's February 24th, 2022, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Thank you once again for joining us. Um, you know, normally Matthew and I do a little bit of chit chat and just general BS about, about what's going on, but we are going to skip right to today's uh, today's podcast because once again, we have a guest. And if you were a regular listener, you know, this time last year, we were talking to Phil Coffey of Coffee Architects in London, and we thought it would be a great time to catch up with him and see what's been going on. So, um, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for asking. Looking forward to having a discussion with you. Well, so I'm going to just hop right in because because listening to the to the podcast last year, re-listening to things, you were talking about this time last year about how you weren't looking forward to 2021. Maybe that you weren't so sure that the, the 2021 was going to be a great year. And like we all know, things sort of kind of went up and down. How was the year for you? How was 2021? Oh, good question. It all seems so long ago now. Um it, it was quite tough. Yeah, I think it was tough for everyone. I've got quite a good support group. We I'm part of a, um, um, an organization called London On, which is a group of uh, like-minded architects. There's about six or seven practices of varying size. And I think, you know, collaboration and talking to people during those most difficult periods is really important for all of us. Um, some practices of, you know, five people, some up to about 40, 50 people, all going through the same issues, really, you know. Issues to do with staffing, issues to do with working from home, issues to do with getting work, issues to do with not getting work, um, trying to get work done, working from home, all of the issues that COVID has brought forward. And actually, there are many, many positives, I think. But you know, during that period, it, was, it, it came quick, didn't it? And uh, we had to respond. So I think, you know, thankfully, as architects, we're normally quite creative. So I think we were kind of quite creative in the way that we um, continued to work. Um, and that's all thanks to the professionalism of the people we work with as well. We seemed didn't seem to lose much productivity, I have to say, from people working at home. But there is always the loss, and we're back in the office now, um, 80%. And it's wonderful to be back in the office because you realize, when you say that there's no loss of productivity, of course there is, because as soon as you sat next to somebody or there's somebody across the way and you have an idea and you shout across and... They've got questions for you. You can speak to people. The serendipitous nature of architecture and creativity happens. You can't really plan it. And when you put a barrier to entry, which is that computer and Zoom and pressing a button and having to organize, you lose something in that process. And so it's great to be back. I think we, we, we trundled on through. 21 was tough, but I do feel that there's some pent-up demand. Um, that's going to come through this year. Um, there seems to be a lot more activity. The phone's ringing a lot more than it has been for quite some time. So, yeah, we are positive as ever. Um, but you have to be an optimist to be an architect, don't you? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it helps. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so, so you know, that's one of the things that I remember you saying last year was that, you know, this whole idea of, of being able to the serendipity of the casual conversation of working on something and having someone just happen to look over your shoulder and say, Oh, Hey, have you tried this or tried that? So it's interesting that you guys are about 80% back in the office. Do you, do you think you'll eventually get everyone back in or, or do you think it's going to be sort of a, sort of a hybrid model? Cause you also talked at the same time about 
office more becoming a place to meet and kind of collaborate while some of the more mundane day-to-day kind of tasks might happen still at home. Indeed, absolutely. Um, I think it's really interesting when I've been speaking to a number of uh, fellow architects of, again, of varying size and nobility. Um, And it's quite interesting. Some architects are very, very clear in that they want people back five five days a week and uh, they put their foot down. I'm not really the kind of guy to put a foot down. In fact, we haven't really stipulated how long people need to be in the office, but what we're finding is that people are coming back to the office um, simply because it's a good place to be. You know, when you're sat next to intelligent, creative people, it's uh, it, it makes life a little bit more interesting, doesn't it? Especially for the younger crew uh, who are coming in, who are really passionate and ambitious. And no mandates as such as yet. Um, and I, I think we've said three days a week out of five um, flexibly. Um, but it seems that people are coming back more than that. I'd say about 80% at the moment. And I, I'm... Again, I don't think we'll mandate um, what it is. I think there is going to be a shift in in how uh, we ask people to be in the office and when we expect people to be in the office because obviously working from home, you can do um, certain tasks much better than you can when you're being uh, distracted in the office. I think we all know about that. But similarly, there are things that you can do in the office which you can't do at home, which are the meetings, the important meetings and the serendipity and all of the stuff that we just talked about. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a suck it and see at the moment. Um, uh, uh, but the most important thing is that the office, I think we're all much, much clearer about the need for a, a life-work balance, uh, well-being for the people in the office, um, considering their, the places that they live and where we work. And we are actually moving office. So we, we're putting our money where our mouth is. So uh, we are moving office into a retail unit on the high street, which um, is in King's Cross, which is a building that we uh, recently, well, we completed, I say recently completed, everything feels recent given COVID. I think we finished it about 18 months ago, but it's an office building for Argent uh, in King's Cross uh, and it's rather fabulous. And so we're actually moving into the retail unit. Um, And I'm going to tell you now, because I don't think I've told anyone else yet, but we're opening a coffee shop. Yeah, my name is the name that keeps on giving. So we're opening uh, opening a coffee shop, uh, which is actually will be open to the public. And we'll be we'll be kind of uh, occupying the same space. We will be kind of cordoned off slightly, but the idea being that uh, we want you know I, I've always thought that architecture is um, for everyone, and I think that architects are quite often hidden away at their drawing boards and seen as um, in their in their ivory towers somewhat. Um, I think the world is changing. I think the way that we work is changing. I think the high street is changing, and I think architects should be part of that. So we are, yeah, we're opening a coffee shop for the public. So if anybody wants to come and have a conversation with us, they can just come and grab a coffee and um, somebody will come have a conversation with them. So I, yeah, there we are. So I don't know whether that answers your question, but basically we're, we're, we're going to flexibly work within a coffee shop going forward that we're putting our money where our mouth is and we'll see what happens over the next two to three years. Well, that sounds like fun and, and it gives me an excuse. So, so if I'm ever in London again, or hopefully when I'm in London again, uh, I'll just pop over and, and have coffee, and we can we can actually chat about architecture. That sounds sounds like a lot of fun. I was going to say we could we could we could both go and hit up Coffee's Coffee. Exactly. Well, actually, I've done Coffee's Coffee before, and um, there's a ride down to Mipim, which is happening in a couple of weeks, and and there's a ride uh, which is cycle to Cannes, which is normally about 100 people. I've done it four times. It's a thousand miles, and you do it in about six days. And the coffee was terrible on the ride for the first two or three, two times I did it. So I decided to do coffee's coffee, 
um, which is when you stop on the ride, you stop every hour or two. Um, so I, I, I funded the coffee on the ride. So we all had espressos at every stop. The, the, the hilarious thing is, is I'm actually allergic to coffee, so I don't drink caffeine myself. But there we are. That's a whole other story. Oh, that's 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 great. So so with, with the ultimate irony, so, eh? it is it is. So so with you mentioned the the pent up demand. So so have you been hiring new staff to kind of meet that demand? And 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 if so, how have you been able to integrate your new staff into feeling like part of a team? Like when you were separated, when everybody was still working from home, and during all these lockdowns. It's been, it's been, that's been quite tough, actually. Um, we haven't expanded much. We've got, we, we've, I think we've got three or four new people in the office, um, someone else soon to join. Uh, mostly younger staff uh, and uh, super ambitious and, uh, and also incredibly talented, I'm pleased to say. Uh, and, you know, I've been very impressed by their aptitude to, to work um, wherever they may be working. I think, I think I think that's the thing actually that is going to be quite interesting over the next couple of years is is whether or not you want people back in the office five days a week. The world is changing, and actually you can't as a business owner just kind of force that upon people because if somebody is offering three days a week, then you you're going to find it very difficult to convince somebody to come and work five days a week in the office, um, and the, and that's going to balance out I think over the over the coming period. The, the bigger issue at the moment is because of Brexit. Um, there and because there is more demand, it's very very difficult to find people. I mean, we're quite fortunate because we're quite yeah you know, we're quite well known. Um, I think people like our architecture, and I think people want to come and work for us. But it is still tough to find uh, to find staff. There's an awful lot of um, the incredibly talented European cohort who are no longer here or have gone away. Um, so there seems to be a reduction in the ability to take on staff. So it's challenging for all of those reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, you um, you interview people, you employ people who you think are going to fit into your office. Um, we employ people because we like them first. And of course, they've got to be a good architecture, but they've also got to be good in the office. And, and, and so you mentioned, you, you mentioned Brexit briefly here. And so a so Brexit happened right at the beginning of 2020. And and the pandemic and the lockdowns hit right after, at least uh, the, at least they did here. Now that the dust is kind of settling from both of these a couple years later, how have how 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 has Brexit changed the the architecture industry? Uh, I mean, you, you, like I said, you touched on it briefly with with just less people around. But are there any other change, visible changes that you can that you feel as a business owner? in the architecture industry in in England? Uh, for sure. I, I, I think it was the perfect storm, really, Brexit straight into COVID, because uh, Brexit was tough, I think, for businesses. In some ways, COVID was horrific um, for you know, all the human reasons that we know, and, and I wouldn't want to lessen that. But Brexit, in terms of business, was actually, was actually quite tough because Brexit was... A, we never really knew whether it, we were in a bad position or a good position. So it's that horrible purgatory position for a business where you hold on to all of your staff hoping that everything's going to start three months later or the next month or that, and it never does whereas actually with covid we knew it was terrible so you could actually plan for something plan for the awful environment that it was um so between those two things between the kind of the 
the, the not knowing and then the knowing that everything was really truly terrible um you get yourself into a position um i think covid hid many of the issues that brexit brought forward which i think are now becoming more clear and one of those of course which is magnified by covid is the supply chain uh, and i think you know we, we work on projects we're working on 200 homes in Brentford with Ballymore at the moment, or we're also working on, you know, a, a seventy thousand uh, pounds office refurb. And at both scales, getting uh, the materials in is difficult. And I think going forward, I, I think that's an issue across the world at the moment. The supply chains, but specifically because of Brexit in the UK, there there are more pressures, and so that's bringing inflation into the costs of tenders. Um, and so kind of, you know, those additional costs are obviously going to lead to more difficult um, situation with projects going forward. We're hoping that that's not going to last too long. Yeah, we, we actually have, I mean, the supply chain issue here, I mean, aside from, <laughs> luckily we don't have to deal with like a Brexit situation, but even even here in the U.S., the supply chain issue is, is a factor right now, I think, in everything that we're doing Um I've got a project that's supposed to start construction at the beginning of April, but for that to happen, we had to get the, I, th- I think the owner signed the order for the windows and paid the deposit today because it's a 14 week lead time just to get the windows. So there is that sort of that challenge. And I can't imagine, you know, between just normal supply chain issues, just from, you know, from the, from the whole COVID pandemic aspect of it, having, having Brexit on top of it, um, certainly certainly has to be a challenge uh, i think that's it i think inflation is also coming um and a lot of our contractors are kind of squealing a little because the the material costs are going up inflation is going up yeah so so they're finding it tough to be meeting you know uh, quotes that they would have given two or three years ago and now in a completely different environment well there are there are companies that they'll, they'll quote you something but it'll last a week so you better you better sign the order right now, kind of thing. Uh, especially especially with electrical supplies, that was going on for a while, and lumber was the same issue. So, so yeah. So and and we're seeing the inflation here. Interestingly enough, people are are still willing to pay it, and I don't know if that's a just a pent up demand issue or if that's just people are accepting that things are going to cost more, and they'll they'll make exceptions where they need to to shift money around. But one, but one of the things that, that's been interesting here, I wanted to ask you about London, is that in Dallas, where we are, property prices, home prices in the last year have jumped 25%. And that's, a, I mean, that's huge. It's a huge number for us. Are you guys seeing that something similar in London? Do you see the property prices going up with everything else? Or is it, is, is real estate, I mean, real estate there is not cheap, but is it, still kind of staying steady or are you seeing that price increase as well yeah i I think i think it's all it's all a balance isn't it because we are seeing continued house price rises so and and, you know when inflation is going up so are house prices and so if inflation is going up on the the four by two that you've got to build your house extension out of but the inflation is going up on your house at the same rate you're making an awful lot of money even if you are extending until of course interest rates go up um, and nobody can afford their mortgage and everything falls flat. So it, it's kind of a self-sustaining cycle, I think. Um, I think you know, owning assets in an inflation market, inflationary market is not such a bad thing. It's just a question of how long it will last. 
So yes, we're seeing exactly the same thing. I don't know whether or not you should sell up and just go and move to Colorado now then. 25% sounds like quite a lot of money in the bank. Is Colorado cheap these days? Uh, I think it depends where you live. If you're if you're where my in-laws are, which is basically in the middle of nowhere, um, yeah, you can probably get a pretty good deal. But I wouldn't I, I wouldn't <laughs> move to Denver. The the housing market in Denver right now because there was a huge fire out west uh, west of Denver. Of course, yeah, yes, yes. The the rental market in Denver is just rental properties are just insane. Um, so yeah, so there, there. I'm sure there are places you could you could sort of invest wisely, but you're going to be in the middle of nowhere to do it. So yeah, no, I, I I think it's really really interesting at the moment because I think there's an awful lot of money uh, money sat in people's banks after um, COVID, and people wanting to spend money, people who want to do their houses up, people you know developers who want to kind of invest in the land that they've owned for a while planning applications coming through, all of those things um, amidst inflationary pressure from all of the money that's been pumped in to keep the economy going and all of the supply side inf- uh, issues um, for all businesses. I mean, who who really who really knows what's going to happen? I mean, I, I'd like to be optimistic and think that everything's going to be great this year and we're going to go into a boom. I've been listening to a few podcasts and what have you, and there seems to be this idea that this this year we'll have inflationary pressures and we'll all kind of get used to post-pandemic world and then maybe next year things will kick on a little bit i'm hoping everything kicks on this year but then you know don't we all personally i as as someone who has just been job hopping one through the other during the pandemic uh the I, I'm definitely hoping for a good this year. <laughs> exactly. No, forgive me for trying to for suggesting we might delay it for twelve months. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Yeah, no. That that sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> but so, so another thing that I was interested in hearing from somebody who owns their own office was. What were your strategies? Because I know Britain had pretty severe lockdowns, um, especially since you guys were at the forefront of the uh, uh, the Delta wave. How? What were your strategies during these lockdowns for maintaining relationships when everything was shut down? Because I mean, now you can go to the pub and 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 getting together with people it sounds like it's a little bit easier, but. What were your strategies when things weren't so straightforward? I guess. Yeah, no, I think that that, that was that was really tough. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. You can normally find me at most dues, uh, most bars where architects are hanging out and clients and what have you. It's good to be around peer group. It's the way you know. Somebody once said to me that you don't do a deal. The people you most do deals with are the people you've had a drink with or a dinner with or a conversation with in person, um, not just over the phone. You know, it's a big part of our business. You know, that's the way that we've grown. And during COVID, that was impossible. And there is there there is a. I think we just got our head down and just said, okay, this is the situation. One thing I definitely didn't want to do was to pester people during that period because everyone was having a particularly tough time. I mean, many of the developers that we work with are also, I mean, having a torrid time. And the last thing they want is an architect banging on their door saying, you know, can, can, can you give us some work when they haven't got any to give? They're really concerned about just getting through the situation themselves. So I think you've, just, you've got to have a bit of humanity about you in these situations where 
you know, look long term. And I, I think we got our heads down to complete the projects that we had, whilst also looking for other projects. We picked up a few, but mostly just delivering the projects that we have uh, as well as we could, um, looking after the guys that we work with and um, maintaining collaborative relationships over Zoom that we already had and, you know, meeting people on, on Zoom serendipitously. We also did a, 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 got involved with a few uh, panels um, and, and those kinds of things. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think there's been a huge loss. Uh, for, uh, there was a couple of competitions that we did, but normally there's a huge amount of competitions. You know, there's a kind of a buzz about the architecture world. Uh, every now and then, a big competition comes out. Everyone's in the pub talking about that competition. Uh, you know, there's work coming about in London. People are working with developers. They're talking about the people they're working with. You're talking to the people of the people that we know between us, all of our peer group. And none of that was available to us, so I guess I'm, I didn't. I didn't really mourn the loss of it. It probably helped my liver a great deal, actually, during that period. But I think in in the end, you can't fight. You can't fight. You can't fight the, the tide. And I think we, we, as I say, we just sat back. We did the work that we've got, and now we're back and running. Uh, we've recently completed ten projects of quality projects from from houses through to housing commercial um, and an education project um, which have all been now photographed and we're all ready to go out and show people what we've been doing during the period and hopefully that will kick us on to the next stage so yeah I, I, it, it was it was tough um, but we took we took the view that it was best to to accept the situation and not fight it maybe that's not the right thing to do but I, I felt at the time that it was well, and I think you're you're definitely limited to to what's possible with you know whatever's going on restrictions wise. But I have to say I, I would really <laughs> I like this idea of there being a pub for the architects to hang out in because um, you know obviously here we don't do that. And and I can recall when James was working in London for about six months. Every night after work, it was get done with work, go to the pub for a couple hours, and then have dinner and go home. And it was this it was this common routine, but yeah, here we don't have that sort of sort of thing where you know we have a quote unquote pub to go <laughs> to go to for the architects to hang out in. Well, how do you hang out? How do you hang? How do all the architects hang out together in Dallas? Oh Lord, it's it's the the American Institute of Architects, the AIA, the Dallas chapter will have a, have a quote unquote event. You know, they'll have a speaker come, or there'll be a continuing education seminar or whatever, and then there's the happy hour after or happy hour before and they'll host occasional events, but generally we don't hang out together unless it's a, we're really forced to, um, which seems kind of strange, but, but I don't know, maybe we think we see each other too much already. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, do you all go for the same projects? Is, is there competition? Is it nobody wants to talk to each other or is it just more distance or, or well, why do you think that is? I, I think so. So, the last practice I had, we started at the in January two thousand eight, right before the recession hit. And one thing that we seemed to learn during the recession was that architects here don't want to talk to each other about what they're doing because it feels like everyone's worried somehow that that's going to take away their advantage on work that might be coming up. Or projects that might be happening, so so people don't want to share, which seemed very 
very odd to us because if I'm doing well, hopefully you're doing well. And if I can, if what I'm doing can help you, then, then why not do it? But, but it's a very strange, strange take on it. And, and Matthew, I don't know if, uh, did, did you, did it feel that way to you when you were working for Truett? Yeah. Uh, it was definitely a lot more, I guess the, the, and this is probably a horrible analogy, but I, I, I kind of feel like unless you are heavily involved in uh, the AIA, architects kind of roam in cells, right? Like you, you know, two or three other architects, you, you, who you talk to on a regular basis. Maybe you have lunch and get together and everything like that. And that architect may know two or three other architects that he gets together with, but but the cells, they kind of stay in their own little areas and, and, and maybe information gets passed little by little between each one. But for the most part, yeah, it's, it's kind of isolating. The, <laughs> my, my main social uh, was, uh, existence as an architect actually revolved around your events um, uh, when, you were, when you were still with your firm, uh, with your old firm with, and partners. So that, that's, that, that's kind of where <laughs> my experience has been socializing with other architects. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always said Dallas is a very large architecture community. And at the same time, it is the tiniest architecture community in the world because you'd be surprised at who knows who, but you don't know that they know each other until you show up and some of us, oh yeah, I was talking to so-and-so about you. They said, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's it's very gossipy, very, very, I don't say inward looking maybe, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, In- insular. Yeah, it's, insular is probably a good oh, word for that. Probably a good word for that. So so is it that way in London? I mean, do you guys feel like there's, the, the architecture community is huge, but at the same time, it's really this sort of tiny little clicky kind of. We all know each other. We all go to the RIBA every now and then and bump into each other. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll all be uh, in the pub together. I think it may be similar. Um, but the RIBA is trying to change that at the moment, make the RIBA, there's a new president, Simon Orford, who's trying to change uh, the, the, the main headquarters, which is 66 Portland Place, into a into a, 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 a theatre of ideas, let's call it, um, which is what it always was in the 90s. Um, when I was a student, it was a place where people would go, um, you'd have a there's a cafe there and it was a place for people to turn up but i think through commercialization over the over the past uh, couple of deca- decades uh, the profession is a very different different thing now and that headquarters became uh, in, in essence it was for weddings it was for events um, and how to make money for for the institution and they moved to a, a, a commercial building just up the road but we're we're moving back in and, and I, I hope it'd be interesting to see in the post-COVID world how everybody now starts to collaborate with one another. Hopefully, um, we've all recognised that how good it is to collaborate and to be in the same room as one another. And it'd be interesting to see what the return to that kind of life is. I, I think it's going to be quite interesting. At the moment, we, we've, in, in London, we've just come out of it, basically. Over Christmas, there was a, you know, Omicron came back in. Uh, but uh, today, um, Boris Johnson has, has said from Thursday, there are, no, there are now no restrictions on the basis of COVID. So there's no self-isolation. If you, if you get COVID or you think you've got COVID, you can take your own personal stances if you would have the flu, whether or not you go in, whether or not you think that you're, you're going to pass, um, pass it on. 
So it's a whole new world. In, in fact, in, you could say it's a back to normal. And with spring approaching, um, when the, you know, people can stand outside pubs and bars and nipping is coming up, which is the thing I spoke about earlier, it will be very interesting to see how quickly everything gets back to normal or doesn't get back to normal um, in terms of people meeting up, people being in the office, busy streets, etc., etc. Um, I, I think it will get back to normal quicker than we expect. There's a, London as a city is incredibly attractive to people um, and intelligence um, and conversation. Uh, and, you know, people like being in the city still. So I think we'll get back to normal with a little bit of flexible working on the side. Um, and yeah, I hope I hope that's the case anyway, because I, I, I miss I miss the kind of the, the cohort being together and talking about architecture and, and progressing it and pushing it forward. Well, do you think the, um, I, don't, I don't know. So, so <laughs> we have regional conferences, we have state conferences, we have the national conference that we do every year. And, and we're starting to see those happen in person. Again, the Texas had their conference last October in person, which was kind of weird, but everything went off without a hitch. The national conference this year's in person. Do you guys do that sort of thing? And are you starting to see talk about, hey, we're actually going to be live in person? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I MIP him is the start. So it, it, there's a bit of intrepidation about who's going and who's not going in the kind of a embodied carbon sustainability world. Um, going to the south of France, um, which is basically where the whole of the architecture industry goes um, in March. Uh, I think that's the start of it. There's another, there's a new uh, festival of architecture, let's call it, which is uh, Footprint, which is actually, in essence, I, th I think the name Footprint comes from the, it's a sustainable um, conference, which is in Brighton, uh, the south coast of England versus the south coast of France. Um, one has rosé and sun, the other doesn't but one doesn't use quite as much carbon to get there. So I think it's the, it's the battle between MIPIM and Footprint coming up. Um, but all of these are in person. Uh, it seems that that's, that's the way things are moving forward. There seems to be a certain a, a total relaxation now in terms of uh, bars and pubs and restaurants in town. I think now it's just the fact it's still February and it's a bit cold uh, that uh, people just aren't back to normal. But I, I think come um, March, April, all of those conferences and everything will be in person. Uh, they're certainly being advertised and there doesn't seem to be any um, any any issues going forward on that front. So so now now that you're open to, to traveling again and, and maybe going to Brighton or south of France, that must be nice. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, what 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 holiday or, or, or travel plans do you have? Because I know, you know, Larry talked to you about, you know, he got, went to Key West at the end of the year. And and I, I have I actually have in-laws in Florida as well. So I, I we usually end up taking a, a small trip when it's not so hot <laughs> to and to go to go to Florida as well. Uh, but do, what are, what are your new, uh, holiday and travel plans as as uh, as things start opening up well i'm i'm a i'm an, i'm an avid photographer which i think everybody is these days but uh, my father's a photographer so i take photographs and actually there's a plug for you at phil coffee p-h-i-l-c-o-f-f-e-y please please follow um and on there you'll find photographs of our architecture that i've taken and also photographs from around the world from the arctic antarctic galapagos india africa japan um you name it there's probably on there and so I, I, I do love travel. It's one of my, uh, yeah, I, I, I love traveling. I love taking photographs. I love different cultures. I love different light. 
um, and finding places to to discover. Um, recently, I have been discovering Britain um, over lockdown. I was up in Scotland. I was in Wales. I was in Devon, photographing Vitalik tin mine. Uh, recently. I was in Brighton taking photographs of the pier and also in North Norfolk taking photographs of what is an incredible uh, piece of uh, landscape, which is the marshes and wildlife. So I've done my bit for Britain actually over the past 18 months, but now I really do feel like some sun. <laughs> so so I'm not entirely sure where that's going to be. I am going to Mipham, so it will be uh, hopefully the, the sun will come out there. Uh, I really, really want to get to the Dubai Expo as well, but it finishes in about uh, four weeks' time. So if I can somehow squeeze in a three or four day trip to Dubai, then I might just do that because uh, some of the buildings look really interesting. Um, It's a bit of a long way to travel, uh, not so good on the carbon, um, but I'll have to balance that out somehow. And uh, apart from that, I feel like uh, I need another big trip. So I've been looking at Papua New Guinea, is a place that's always been um, high on my list, um, and the other place is Mongolia. Apart from that, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to get some work done in between. Um, and I've also been thinking about which architecture I want to go and see, and there's uh, there's a couple of buildings that I still want to see. There's a Leverance building in Sweden that I need to go and see, uh, which I still haven't seen. I want to see that for a long time. I forget the name of it, St. Mark's Church. And uh, I'd also like to get down to Brazil to see uh, the very famous architect's uh, work, which I now forget. You'll, you'll tell me, won't you, Matthew? You'll tell me, Larry. Neymar. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Thank you very yeah. much. There we Neymar. are. Neymar. Neymar? Yes, or something. Neymar. Yeah. You got it. So, so yeah, one of, one, of, one of those things, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to hopping on a plane again. Oh yeah, no the the Brazilian architecture is great. I, I again have relatives there too, and it's been it has been fun just being able to. They opened up uh, Caltrava did a uh, uh, new science museum off one of the piers in Rio that I actually got to see just briefly while it was under construction. It was it was it was neat to kind of peek under the <laughs> the hood just to see that. <laughs> How many bedrooms have your fam- family got in their houses? I might just come and stay over. <laughs> Two jokes on you. <laughs> there's, there's, there's one for one for the one for the host and one for one for everybody else. So we all cram in me, the <laughs> twins, and my wife. So it'd be kind of snug. <laughs> Where do you guys get to anyway? So you 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 went down to Key West. Where else? You know, you're in you're you're in Dallas, which is basically you know I love I've been to Dallas only once, but I will be back again. Where do you go? Do you go? Would you prefer to go East Coast or West Coast? I've I've honestly never been West Coast. Um, you know, usually I try to. A lot of times we'll travel to where we have friends. So um, New York, we got a friend who lives in Astoria. And so we'll go to New York. Sometimes we have a friend in Atlanta. There is a friend of ours in in Denver. Actually, we have a friend there that we've visited a couple of times. Actually, he was the first person I visited when they, when I my my vaccines were done and I could travel. Uh, I ran I ran off to Denver real quick. But uh, we we tend to James and I tend to be very much the sort of similar. You know the same places over and over again. So it'll be New York, it'll be Key West, it'll be New Orleans. In in April, we actually are going to Palm Springs, where we've never been. 
so that's that's as far west as I will have gotten ever, probably. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I know Matthew. You know, Matthew and Faye have twins, and so traveling, I think, is a bigger challenge for them. Oh, if see, if you had asked me before we had kids, I would have been like, you know what? We just throw a we just throw a dart at a map and see where it lands, <laughs> and that's where we'll go. Because we really would, you know, we we would take a we we would we would find a place, you know, find something interesting about it. Like we we've been to New Mexico, Colorado. Like we, we used to go all over, just just on a whim. And then of course you have kids and you kind of have to tone that down a little bit. And, and the fact that we had twins doesn't help. So that's even more of a challenge, but <laughs> no, for sure. I don't have children, so I'm still fortunate. I'm still throwing the darts. I, I do miss those days. I, I, I do. I do miss just being able to pick up and be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> You'll be very careful what you say here. <laughs> oh i know oh i know because yes because my, my my wife does listen so she will uh, <laughs> most definitely tell me about it after the fact <laughs> well and and james i think is going to end up in london he said he thinks probably sometime in april or may so i suspect if he starts going and he's supposed to be going every two to three months so if that starts happening again I, i'm hoping that I can pop over to, to London with him one time, but I have a, an architect colleague in Northern Ireland. So I'm hoping maybe trying to wrap that. If, if he goes to London, I'll follow him to London and go from London to Northern Ireland and then back home again and do something a little different, but we'll see. So, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a good trip. I was recently in Belfast, fabulous city. There's nothing like, um, I, I, I try to play guitar myself, but there's nothing quite like every pub with a live guitarist in it and a singer, songwriter, bellowing out some tunes. Yeah, and that's quite the place. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping to get there, so we'll see. But but speaking about, you know, guitars and pubs, I wanted to kind of circle back around to something that, that you had shared with us last year. And it comes back, I, I guess, around to that idea of architecture and how people are responding to being at home. Because you, you were talking that, everyone being stuck at home sort of maybe changed their awareness of, of really, or I'm not, maybe I'm sure it did change their awareness of their environment and about wanting to have a connection to the exterior and wanting to have a connection to some light because they've been sort of trapped in the house. Do you think that's still something you're going to see? Is, is there, you know, because, because suddenly now you can go to the pub, you can go to the park, you can get out and, you know, you know, Johnson dropping restrictions. I'm sure people are just elated. So do you, <laughs> so do you think from a residential perspective, you're going to start seeing people maybe sort of losing attention to that sort of detail? I, I think that, I think there's something in that. I think there will, but I, I think overall COVID it's lasted a very long time. I think if it had been two months or three months or six months even, but you know, it, overall it's 18 months, you know, two years of, of, changes in attitude uh, and I, I talking about getting back to normal like I said earlier I think I think that period of time has a fundamental impact on people's psychology whether or not you know it or not and I do think that people are going to stay much more aware of their environment and I think over the next 12 months there, there will be conversations about maintaining that relationship of well-being I think well-being is the word that's come out in in certainly in the architectural community over over the last six to 12 months well-being for staff well-being for people in the buildings that you're designing 
um, whether that be through light or whether it be through um, the activities, whether it be through the materials that you use in terms of carbon. But overall, looking after people and seeing architecture from a people's perspective rather than a top-down um, architectural uh, perspective, I think is one of the profound things that will come out of uh, COVID. And I don't think that's any bad thing. At the moment, there's, there seems to be a huge focus in terms of uh, sustainability and well-being. And I think you can link all of these things together in the end, is it is all about looking after ourselves. Um, there seems to be a very, a very strong direction of uh, the science of all of this question of well-being and of embodied carbon and the numbers. And as an architect, I think it's incredibly important to be on top of the numbers and to be aware of meeting all of the guidelines, ETC. However, I do still think there's the romance of architecture. And actually, the least sustainable building, let's say, is the building that nobody wants to keep. And so it, making beautiful buildings and beautiful experiences, which I think is where beautiful buildings come from, the inside out, thinking about how people respond to light, thinking about how, the views that they get from uh, whichever building it is, whether it be in an urban environment or a, or a landscape environment, um, biophilic design, all of these issues, uh, which are sustainable for people, but sustainable for the planet as well, are things that are, go are here to stay. Um, and so I, I think if, if one links all of those things together, um, it's a really a fantastic opportunity for architecture to say that, you know, if you look after yourself, you're looking after the planet and we can do that by designing great spaces um, with good designers, and that makes architecture more important to the world. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, I, I think I think that's that's pretty spot on because because we are, if nothing else, in the last two years, we've learned very much about us being mentally healthy and and being better connected and understanding how we are affected by things. Certain certainly in that sense. So, um, last question for you. And then we'll let you go. But you talked last year about 2022 potentially being an exciting year because you were judging competitions and you were starting to see some of some of the upcoming talent that was out there in the field. Um, 2021 wasn't great, but do you think 2022 is going to be exciting for you? Well, I was judging a um, awards program a couple of weeks ago called. Um, a I'm not sure I can say on here, but I will. It's Don't Move Improve, which is run by the NLA. And uh, I think we had 80 entries that we got down to 16 that we went to visit because, of course, any awards program, the, be the better they are, the more buildings they go and see. So we went from the 80, and, and uh, uh, the 80 were incredible. I'm, I, I'm genuinely very happy I'm not a young architect anymore because the competition is incredible. Um, and we went to go and see 16 uh, houses in essence, or extensions. And the quality of all 16 was really, really fabulous. Uh, and we met the architects and we met the clients. And there was a huge amount of ambition from the clients. A huge, the, the relationships the architects had with the clients were, were just really beautiful to see. You know, architects solving problems um, in a really elegant way. And that, so I don't think there's any lack of ambition in architecture. There still are people coming through the universities, through um, their first stages of their career, opening up their own businesses and you know, getting down to some really serious 
architecture in terms of the smaller scale. And also, you know, you see big buildings getting finished now, um, which are, I was also judging the RIBA Awards last year. I don't know whether I'd spoken to you before or after that. And there's some cracking buildings in that. So a huge amount of ambition, um, a huge energy still for architecture in this country against all of the battles that one has to go through living in a conservative uh, small C environment. So yeah, still very, very exciting um, profession to work in. Uh, I, I was on the bus for the, the Don't Move Improve, we're going from house to house, and the bus driver was telling me about his, um, his uh, sister's, I think his nephew, who wants to be an architect. I think he's autistic and he's only nine. And uh, so we've offered to, to give him a week's um, week in our in our office when he when he's old enough and he he thinks he wants to come and see what architects actually do. You know, it, it, it architecture is still an incredibly attractive profession to work in. And why wouldn't it be? You get to make a little bit of the world for us all to live in. Oh, every time, every time we get done talking with you, I always feel just a little bit more hopeful for the industry. It's a really interesting point that you make. I, I mean, I, and, and we have this, because you can get really down in the dumps about certain things about architecture. It take, it's one of those things that takes so long to do. That's why I love photography, because in between the, like the, slow, the slow cook of architecture, you can actually you know, make beautiful things that there's no planning department in the way and there's no financial issues in the way. You can just capture a bit of light in 2D um, and work on it and make a photograph a lot quicker than you can make a piece of architecture. But then a piece of architecture lasts for 30 years, you know, um, and you see this smile on people's faces uh, when you've made something that's special. And that, that, that really means a lot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super optimistic for it all, through all of the pain that we have to endure. Um, but, you know, it's an architect's job to whinge every now and then, isn't it? That's a rubbish way to end. You- no, no, it, <laughs> no, no, it, it's it's it is what it is. I, I think you know. So, sometimes I think if we told architecture students how much paperwork they had to do, they'd never finish. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, oh, you're going to be drawing stuff, and no, then no, you're going to be filling out forms for the, for the for zoning and for you know uh, permitting and whatever else. I think they get a little discouraged, but. But yeah, I'm with Matthew. It's 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 nice to talk to other architects and get that sense of optimism and that sense of that you know this isn't a dying industry or this isn't something that that you know you you stop and think oh god what did I get myself into because because there is that joy and that that enjoyment of seeing the end result and seeing people be happy with the spaces that we've created and and being able to see them enjoy that over a longer period of time. But but we are sort of getting a little bit long on the podcast. So I think we're going to wrap up. Um, Phil, if, if somebody wanted to talk, talk to you or get in touch with you, what's a, a good way for them to do that? Uh, follow me on Instagram at Phil Coffee um, and just message me. Okay. Well, that's simple. Well, like, you know, for, for the regular listeners, you know that you can always reach me at Spotted Dog Arch on Instagram and Twitter or Larry at Spotted Dog Architecture. And you can find the show at Arch Geeks Podcast on Instagram and uh, always hit up our website at architecturegeeks.com. So, well, there we go. Well, th- thank you, Phil, once again. And everyone else, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.